This is Bob Petrakis with the other side of the news brought to you by the Free Press.org. WCRS Community Radio 98.3 and 102.1. Yes, we're in the studios here on East Broad Street with Free Press Managing Editor Michael Allwood. You're listening to Bob Fitrakis, and I'm bringing you the other side of the news. A lot of things happening, Michael. Uh, we're here to talk about the new issue of the Free Press, uh, which hit the streets, unfortunately, uh, during Red, White, and Boom, uh, <laughs> although they're all out there now one week later. Uh, what, do you thought, uh, what are your thoughts on the latest issue of the Columbus Free Press, which I, by the way, edit, and you, of course, do the hard work? Uh, and the, there's, a, there's a lot of great reading in this issue, but there are a couple of really important stories uh, that are really hard-hitting and very impactful upon the community. And uh, starting with the cover story, the story of the Columbus police riot at the Stonewall Parade. And rarely uh, in our history uh, have we had occasion to call out the organizations known as Stonewall but on this occasion, uh, we kind of had to do that. But we also called out the Columbus police and uh, for their appalling actions uh, during the parade. And uh, it's you did the commentary on this. And l let me just ask you uh, straight up why you felt it was necessary to call. I mean, we've been supportive of uh, gay the gay movement and uh, the gay community uh, for our entire existence. Um, why on this occasion uh, was it necessary to call them out? Well, uh, I think because their uh, parade organizer, uh, uh, Lori Gum, took that action first and uh, questioned the board of Stonewall as a nonprofit uh, why they didn't take more immediate action when the police seemed to signal uh, out gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, trans, of color right. uh, people and seemed to go after them directly. But and, maybe we should explain uh, what exactly happened, what sparked the incident and, uh, and what was the result of that? Well, the uh, recent uh, police shooting uh, they wanted seven minutes of silence for the uh, it was Philando Castile, the seven minutes of uh, of silence uh, in terms of each bullet uh, he fired. So uh, that's what they were doing. Uh, the officer was, of course, acquitted uh, in that circumstance. Many people. Uh, saw the uh, video, uh, it was shocking, and no one believed that the officer, uh, at least in the progressive community, should have been acquitted. And, 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 of course, this is not an isolated incident And when it comes to the Columbus police. They have a, a long history of doing that. And, in fact, recently, and we'll get to this later, but recently there's been a spate of these kinds of incidents. And, you know... Uh, like I said later on, I think that we ought to talk about that spate of incidents because rather than 
the situation improving with Columbus police killing people of color for little or no reason, it's getting worse. Yeah, and uh, part of that uh, we've been writing about for a while. Uh, One of the uh, demands of the so-called Black Pride Four, there were four of them uh, that were arrested, one with uh, felony charges that are almost laughable, they claimed... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he ran away, and they claimed he jumped on the back of a female police officer and tried to steal her gun, uh, which uh, I doubt uh, this, uh, the kid involved was, was a scholar uh, and, uh, you know, with no record of any violence. But uh, uh, the other thing is that the seven minutes uh, didn't occur in uh, Columbus, but uh, you're right. You're absolutely uh, correct. The officer who did that shooting, that, uh, that went uh, viral nationally. But uh, Columbus, the last time we wrote about the police, uh, had shot 24 people, 20 of them black, in a city that's only a quarter black. So you begin to do the math. It, you don't have to crunch the numbers very hard <laughs> uh, to figure out what's going on. I mean, it, it's, it's just... Too, too obvious and, uh, and, and blatant, quite frankly. But uh, again, with all the, the protests that happen, uh, all the people like these four, and, and specifically they are Ripley Bennett, Kendall Denton, Ashley Braxton, and DeAndre Miles, those four, um, and they're trying to silently protest, peaceful protest, in a parade. In a parade that's meant to be a Which show. Which came out of a, a, a riot. In New York City. It and, was, and again, one of the things, their other demand, it wasn't only the seven minutes, uh, they wanted more space, more attention called and local resources uh, for the black, uh, trans, queer community. It's you know, they speak often of intersectionality, and uh, those terms, because uh, it's it's in many ways very difficult it, to be black going, in this society. I, I, I was just going to say that unlike regular society, where finally in 2017 we get to the point where a good portion of the population is uh, sensitive to the LGBT community, and... Not so in the black community. They're much less forgiving, much less understanding, much less willing to welcome queer people of color. It's it's stigmatized within the black community far more than it is in the general population. And and I know that you know that. And uh, our uh, rival uh, newspaper, Columbus Live, actually did an article prior to this, uh, prior to the Pride Parade, pointing out there was already tension uh, in Stonewall between uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, trans people of Mm -hmm. color and uh, the predominantly white uh, uh, gays uh, and lesbians and bisexuals that have historically dominated that organism, which, uh, anyway, uh, that organization so we're in a situation where uh, you had a variety of things going on. There was a march going on, uh, but 
Uh, could you imagine at a St. Paddy's Day parade that, uh, you know, say seven people step forward for justice for Northern Ireland, freedom uh, from England when the police came out and beat them and arrested them and maced them? Um, I'm certain it would not happen. So, and again, it's, it's a parade. There's floats, you know. There's juggler, uh, people juggling, people on stilts. I mean, uh, the parades themselves uh, are inherently, you know, Pro protests and, protest and, yes. uh, and uh, exhibits uh, that go on that sometimes stop the parade. Exactly. I and mean, we've both been in those parades. Uh, and a display like that, to me, I would expect it. And uh, Suzanne is over there, and she's nodding her head. She's marched in these parades, too, as we both have. Uh, I wouldn't, if I saw this, I wouldn't think anything out of the ordinary about it, only about the fact that here are some people trying to call attention to a situation within the gay community. Uh, and again, the Free Press has a long history. Uh, before any other newspaper used the term gay or advocated gay rights, the free press, uh, since its inception, has been in the forefront uh, advocating gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, trans, and any other sexuality, uh, you know, we're the free press. We, we believe in freedom. We believe in human rights. Uh, I actually had the privilege in 1992 of addressing the uh, gay pride rally, uh -huh. uh, Rhonda Rivera, who is a professor at uh, uh, Ohio State uh, when I was running against John Kasich. Uh -huh. And it was interesting at the time because my position on certain issues, uh, gay marriage, mm -hmm. uh, gay adoption, particularly gay marriage, uh, uh, were farther to the uh, left, more progressive and radical mm -hmm. than the organization uh, was at the time they were advocating uh, for civil unions. Oh, yes, and I was yeah. saying... No. Why not marry? Yeah, but, but on that issue, uh, you know, I, I don't care if, you know, four people marry four people. I just don't really care. I see it all as a contract, you know. Uh, if people are Islamic and want to have four wives, so be it. You heard it. This is my position. Uh, if four people, four men want to marry four uh, women in a communal marriage, bless them. I, I believe the state... Uh, should not be intervening, and I believe the state should have never intervened. And, and again, I felt this way since I slept out in the backyard in the eighth grade and listened to WWWW, the hippie station in Detroit, uh. Uh, which uh, while out in the backyard with my good friend Tom Forma, two people came on the uh, radio and announced they were radical lesbians. Ah, And, uh, you well, know, they, well, they explained they loved each other, and they really wanted to simply love each other. And I was thinking, that is just cool as hell. Speaking of radio, as you recall, I was the producer of Outlook Radio, uh, which, was, which was the only LGBT talk show in Ohio. And many times when, of course, the situation about marriage, uh, that issue came up frequently. And I always explained that I thought that, that what uh, advocates should do is try to point out that marriage, in the eyes of the law, 
is nothing more than a contract between two individuals. And if you don't believe that, go to divorce court sometimes and find out that that's how the law views a marriage. It's a contract between two people. So why not say that this is a commerce issue, that you're not allowing somebody to enter into a contract for no valid reason? And then the Constitution essentially uh, finds contracts sacred and uh, tries to make sure they're not, in fact, impaired in our And there's nothing in the law that requires any religion to be involved in a marriage. Not in the eyes of the law. And like Thomas Jefferson said, we should be building a wall of separation between church and state. Absolutely. But Laurie Gum, the... uh, parade director and had been so for many years ended up resigning yeah really should be commended uh, you know it's uh, her actions uh, i think speak volumes about her integrity you mean her, her resignation as a mayor culpa yes uh-huh. and uh you know she did a, a great job uh, she protested against the police presence there she actually had set it up where the police weren't supposed to take any action unless they called her she, uh, you know, she had the permit. It was her organization. Uh, why should the police enter into a parade and beat the hell out of people of color uh, who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, or trans? What, what gives the police the right? And this is what happened in the in the nineteen sixties when we looked at the riots in Watts in sixty five, in Newark in sixty seven, Detroit in sixty seven in Cleveland and Chicago and other cities. Uh, in the situation, uh, the Kerner Commission and other reports by the government found that in those cases, uh, the riots were caused by the police acting as an unjust occupying army. And in 68 in Chicago, Mayor Daley at the Democratic Convention, they said that the events there could only be classified as a police riot. So my thesis, Michael, is we ought to think about what happened uh, at during the Stonewall uh, march as a police rioted. The police rioted. They violated uh, their duty to serve and protect. And uh, they, of course, uh, engaged in unlawful activity in violation of the Constitution. They sworn... Uh, to protect. And of course that uh, what, everything came to light with the Chicago 7 trial uh, Jerry Rubin and uh, I just had his name uh, Abby Hoffman. Hoffman yes and uh, at least I think that that trial opened a lot of people's eyes to what the, what the two sides were actually doing and who I think in the end I think in the end that time, history, will show that the police there were in the wrong, that Mayor Daley was in the wrong to have the reaction he had to what was essentially a peaceful protest there. You're listening to 94.1 WGRN, the Green Renaissance Network. I'm talking with Michael Allwood, the managing editor of the Columbus Free Press, the man who gets the paper out. Uh, And, Michael, turning away from the police riot at the Stonewall uh, parade, 
Uh, you were quite pleased with the uh, story on uh, the National Forest, yeah. uh, the Keep Wayne Wild story. Yeah. Uh, what did you like about it? Well, let's first commend Becca Pollard for having written it. Uh, it's it's not what I liked about it; is how impactful it was to me. I didn't know. I did uh, did quite well on the website did it, and good. on Facebook. Good, good. Uh, I mean, a lot of people read it. A lot of people shared it. I didn't realize how easy this process seems to be to acquire the land in order to do these. It, it, you, know, you know, you have. A national forest, it seems to me that the idea, you know, is these national parks and other wildlife refuge and stuff, you know, the brainchild of Teddy Roosevelt, um, these places, places were meant to remain pristine and in their natural habitat and environment. And this flies in the face of that whole ideology. And, it, and it's really kind of irritating to especially to see how easily they're getting it done and how easily they're bypassing uh, all sorts of regulations in order to get it done, in order to rape the land and pollute the, the watershed, w w which it certainly will do. And uh, ironically, of course, this occurred under uh, the Obama administration. Trump, of course, uh, as he's prone to, accelerates any incredible bad idea he runs across. He, he accelerates it and makes it more extreme. But the idea to essentially drill for oil and gas in the way national forests came from the Obama administration. So shame on you, President Obama. I agree. I mean, uh, some of the things that he did... Uh, I you know, and by the way, I just want to point out that we're not talking about just little pieces of Wayne National Forest. We're talking about huge chunks of it that, and like I said, is going to be raped and polluted and certainly impact the environment and also the wildlife, all the flora and all the fauna. Well, Ohio already is bringing in uh, wastewater from Pennsylvania and West Virginia where the people there have the good sense not to bring in radioactive, toxic, carcinogenic uh, water and uh, put it into uh, old injection wells and dump it into their groundwater. Uh, but Ohio has made itself the hellhole, the cesspool of it all. And uh, again, I hope there is action and uh, I hope there's direct action. I hope people do whatever is necessary uh, to preserve Mother Earth. You're listening to 94.1 WGRN, the Green Renaissance Network. And I say, let's fight for Gaia. Let's fight for Mother Earth. Let's go back to something that we said we were going to talk about later, and that is recent events involving the Columbus police. And uh, you know these, uh, these facts better than I do. Um, in such a starting on Thursday, uh, we had things the, uh, happen uh, rapid Yeah, the sit-in at Senator Portman's office. Uh, Senator Portman was down in the Huntington uh, uh, Plaza building there, uh, not the towers, 
uh, but the plaza. Uh, this is a tendency, Michael, that bothers me a lot. Uh, I saw it with J. Kenneth Blackwell, former no. Secretary of State. These public officials go to private buildings. So if they need their dirty work done, they can call on the private security or the police uh, as needed. And, uh, of course, with the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, or as the right wing calls it, Obamacare, right. looming, uh, people came there. Five people occupied Senator Portman's office on the third floor uh, of that building at the, you know, the Huntington Plaza. Now, let's point out that they were handicapped people. Uh, uh, the original ones, uh, the handicap had trouble going upstairs, so the original ones uh, weren't handicapped, but the handicap adapt people mm -hmm. followed in, uh, disabled people uh, came in there with various disabilities in wheelchairs and uh, blocked the lobby uh, and blocked three out of the four elevators. They kept one open. They actually cut a deal with the police. Uh, but then somewhere around 3.10 p.m., uh, emergency medical uh, shows up, someone is called in. So then they claim they were obstructed, even though there was an elevator for them to use. Somebody had called in some coronary event. They could never find the victim uh, who made that call. So it gets very, very So uh, one suspects, suspects that it might have been a phony call. Might have been a phony call, yeah, and, and that's a crime. So I hope the police... Uh, when they're not busy dumping handicapped and disabled people from wheelchairs, actually looks at the real criminal uh, who made this phony, what appears to be a phony call. Uh, it was a ruse. It was sort of like, hi, emergency medical shows up. Now the police can come in. It looked like a terrorist event downtown. There had to be 40 police vehicles, police vans. The police descended on the place and, of course, roughed up people with disabilities, and then violated their constitutional rights. Uh, There's a woman who complied. She was asked to leave. She left immediately, went to the sidewalk. The police followed her to the sidewalk. You can see this on video. Asked to see her ID. When she pulled out an ID from Pennsylvania, the police arrested her. Despite her First Amendment right, Michael, the freedom of association, despite her right to petition the government for a redress agreement, despite her right to association and travel. The Columbus police are some of the most ignorant people on earth. They only need a GED. The standards are so low. That's why we get the bottom of the barrel of these unconstitutional people who should be the foot soldiers of the Constitution, Michael, but instead they're ignorant people who violate the oath that they've sworn to the Constitution uh, to uphold and defend. Shame on you, Columbus police. Read the Constitution. Read the First Amendment. So they arrested all these handicapped people because they were outside agitators. I ain't heard that since the 1960s. 1960s yeah. <laughs> did they? Does anybody know what the charges were? Obstructing <clears throat> emergency medical personnel. So the phony call... Probably from some friend of Rob Portman. It probably came from within the building. It did. It, no. it came from, uh, supposedly, they traced it to a beverage association lobby uh, in the building. But no one was in there having a uh, cardiac or coronary event. Uh, and not only that, the gurney they brought in, 
there was an open freight elevator. There'd been a deal with the police. Uh, so you, you know it was a ruse. You know it was a lie because Senator Portman uh, was getting sick and tired of being held uh, accountable. And quite frankly, he's chicken. He's politically chicken. He's a coward. Robert Port, uh, I mean, Senator Portman is one of the most cowardly people I've ever met. He won't go to a town hall meeting. Uh, uh, he kisses Donald Trump's ass. There's nothing he likes better on earth than to stick his nose up Donald Trump's big bloated ass and party. Well said. That's my opinion. Well said. <laughs> Let's, uh, uh, let's try to calm you down a little bit okay. and uh, talk, about, coffee late at night, talk about a couple of other things that are in this edition, uh, this issue of the Columbus Free Press, and that's one, John Lasker's piece about CODA and how CODA is spending so much of their vehicles, and they've increased routes to the Hollywood Casino uh, tenfold I, I mean it's it increasing so you take the public resources and you aim the buses towards the gambling parlors exactly so right exactly right and uh, of course you know there's no th th well there's it seems fair half of them go to less wexner jobs and the, the other half go to the casinos that's about the size of it. So I encourage people to read that to find out. Now, this is something you're not going to see in the Columbus Dispatch, like most of the things in the, that we have talked well, the about. Casinos advertise a fair amount in the newspaper. Absolutely, they do. But anyway, the, John's article really kind of puts it out there. And I also want to you know, mention a couple of other people that don't always get mentioned when we do these things about the paper. J.J. Allman does our Geek Speak always always has really good stuff and now uh, she talks about transformers other stuff like that and our great music writers john petrick um ed foreman wes flexner uh, these guys do great work and and uh i really think petrick's piece this week about confess and a bunch of other thoughts uh, are pretty interesting john hasn't had so much fun at a confest in years yeah, and uh, what, what I found surprising, of course, is, you know, he found it laughable, and I understand why, but uh, the F-bomb song, you know, uh -huh. you know, F the police, really hasn't been controversial since 1990, 1991. Right, right, right. So somehow the fact that uh, uh, when the police are on their worst behavior in the last few years, that that would be controversial, that a band might play it. Uh, and I was told by uh, people at the community festival, high up organizers, is that they had met with the police and the police said they didn't care. So it was uh, whoever was emceeing the stage may have, uh, you know, encouraged them not to put it on the playlist. But uh, again, uh, people have a right in a free soci uh, society, Brandenburg versus Ohio and other such uh, questions. Uh, to say provocative, peaceful things. Absolutely. And what better venue than ComFest to do it? I mean, ComFest uh, has been around since 1971. It started out as a place where uh, hippiedom uh, started. The, we were still protesting the war at that time. 
and, and the free press was the original advertiser, one of the original half dozen groups that created the community uh, festival. So Daryl and Rosie Mendelson uh, were the founders back then. And oddly enough, I've known Rosie since 1971. <laughs> <coughs> and let, let me just, let me just uh, mention a couple of other people. Richard Aids, of course, who does a great job with reviewing movies and plays and just about anything in the arts theater. And also Araya Flint, who does a fabulous job. She is vegan and writes about where you can get vegan food all over town consistently good writing all right and, and we really appreciate uh, their uh, input into the free press and Peter Gunn's got a good Peter piece Gunn has he hasn't has. written us in a while but he did write a brilliant piece yes yes indeed. Uh, on the black pride for Julie Whitney Scott as well continues to write for us well we got when, when he up, gets Michael, a burr in his saddle he can really he go can off. really right yeah so Peter Gunn's piece, highly recommended. Well, Michael Allwood, we're out of time, but thank you very much for coming in and sharing the other side of the news. Always a pleasure.